Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. This episode is my monthly conversation with fellow MVP Norm Young on anything and everything related to collaboration insights and automation. And today we talk about the business impacts of Microsoft Copilot. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Collab Talk podcast, where we discuss the convergence of technology, business productivity, and collaboration culture. My guest today, again, monthly, Mr. Norm Young, a Microsoft MVP and the Director of Collaborative Analytics at Tigraph, or something thereabouts. It's uh, something thereabouts. Company. Yeah. So welcome, Norm. Hey, great to be back, Christian. Great to see you again. It's been a, a while. I've been I've been on the road. We've been away. I think we uh, so we we missed the last recording date. So it's great to catch up because there have been a few announcements. I don't know if you were aware of that. <laughs> a few is a bit of an understatement. Uh, uh, I, it's like yeah. you cannot open up your your cell phone or a web page or anything on social media without hearing about artificial intelligence, copilot this, copilot that. And it's amazing. All of those releases that have come just as, you know, seasons are changing and it's now springtime in my part of Canada. And uh, there's, there, and, and I imagine Christian, you and um, uh, some of our, our listeners have also uh, had the opportunity to see some of these amazing, truly amazing product demos coming out of uh, the Microsoft events. Uh, whether it be in conference or on the uh, different uh, uh, new sources that Microsoft utilizes around Copilot. And, and I find myself just in awe of the productivity gains that were being promised. Yeah. Well, you know, I love like, th so this is our monthly discussion on uh, insights and automation and number one item in the news and what Microsoft was pushing heavily. I, I just returned from uh, a week in Las Vegas at the M365 conference. And the number one topic was Copilot, was, was all of these things. So here we are talking about insights and automation. It's like, that's what everybody is talking about. And I, I'm interested, in, and as I know you are, in really trying to understand what does this all actually mean? Mm -hmm. What's the what's the impact? I went and dug up. Um, I, I think you're aware of this. So years ago, when when Microsoft shut down their tech ed events and they they rebranded the the event, they shut down a number of product line uh, uh, single product events and created Ignite. And the yes. first one was in Chicago. I did a session. I was asked to do a session because I had done some community, uh, uh, some research and some uh, community polling around like what's happening to the IT pro role. Because a lot of people were worried about the cloud was going to take away my job. And I made the comment. I said, with all this talk around OpenAI and ChatGPT and and how this is going to be integrated in. And now with all the co-pilot pieces, we're starting to see Microsoft's vision for exactly how these tools will be integrated in. It kind of surfaced some of those old thoughts and concerns mm -hmm. from the community that uh, this is going to take away my job or you know, what, 
What at the very least, someone moved my cheese. You know, it's just that the world is different. How do I adjust? Yeah. yeah, that that uncertainty is something I'm like I'm not afraid to admit. I'm I'm wondering how this affects me. I like I don't really fear for my job in that sense. Um, you still need people who can shepherd users, organizations through all of these different changes. But everyone at some level must be wondering, you know, how is this going to affect how I do my daily work? How is this going to affect the way my content is represented through my own voice, whether I'm authoring something in Microsoft Word or I'm I'm even programming code using uh, uh, GitHub's Copilot? Like things will change. But do you really think it's going to lead to a reduction in either information workers or professional developers? I don't. I don't at all. I mean, I even think from the marketing standpoint, uh, more on my side, my world, you know, people say, oh, we're not going to have people writing content and doing a lot of these things. Like, no, they're, they're not, they're, that's not true at all. Like, I, I don't see anytime soon it, uh, you know, in whole cloth replacing the, the human interaction. If, if you read any of the, 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 I, I keep hearing stories of people that have written books, that have written the you know, articles and other all this content and stuff. Without you know, my experience with it so far is that there's so much work that goes into making it sound like your voice, and there's still you still need to go in and edit and modify and add mm-hmm. your your voice and all of that. That you might have just been able to write the article on your own. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I, I mean it's. It's great for certain things. Well, that's one of the reasons why I like where Copilot is going is that it's not, again, hey, create this something out of nothing for me so I don't need to do the work. It's looking at the body of work and it's then yes. being able to go in and speed up the process. Like like being able to go in and, for example, and adding in my, uh, you know, taking a document and oh, this is the latest announcements around Copilot for SharePoint. Being able to go and say, I want to create the SharePoint site based off of here's our organizational plan document that has all of our branding and the style guide. And for it to be able to interpret that, make suggestions for the site, um, the design aspect of that, I mean, is just incredibly fast and powerful. It is. And so, the user who would normally be creating that page or that site is not relegated to a, a lower role because Copilot can do it. They're they're able to be more efficient in their work. They've gotten a head start that will undoubtedly add some value to that current work stream. So hopefully their capacity goes high, goes up, or maybe even they go higher up on that that value chain of their own work. So for the information worker, the ones or content creators, I think this is a step in the right direction. Uh, the other day, I was I wanted to write up a blog post about something I was doing with Power Automate, but I just I didn't have the uh, the right uh, frame of mind to, or the creative juices were not flowing at that point. So I chat GBT, and I was like, "This is what I'm thinking. Give me something to start with." Literally, in those words around a, a couple uh, keywords and subject lines, and it gave me a starting point. Um, it's not the same as what it will be in Copilot, but 
the the point is it it gave me that that nudge that I that I needed and it got me over that initial hurdle that I couldn't seem to get myself over. So now I have a blog post pretty much ready to go by leveraging AI. So uh, and I, and I the, the demos that we saw uh, coming from Microsoft from the 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 Microsoft 365 conference in Vegas around uh, making uh, a recap from uh, all of the meetings, uh, uh, action items from transcripts, uh, summarizations from documents, and all of these things to create an agendas and these workable things are just going to be amazing when they come available. That's the key point there. Uh, I mean, a lot of it, I mean, you and I both just said the same thing that we're our experience is based around those the tools that are out there in live. And I think if you think looking at the copilot products, in fact, I, I'd have to go and check on you know the state of each one where they are in their release. I think the GitHub copilot has been out the longest. Um, there's just the announcements um, out there about the SharePoint stuff. Um, I think still in private preview or they're they're starting mm -hmm. to open that up. So not a lot of people have actually gotten their hands on Copilot and played around with them. I know there are quite a few people that MVPs in our, in the community that are have been part of the I'd even call it alpha and beta testing. So they're the ones that are actively blogging out there. They've been seeing it. I think of mm -hmm. of like uh, um, uh, Daryl Webster is kind of at the front of the line on anything loop related, for example, right. and the the loop Copilot stuff. Um, so we're, we're still, can we really fully understand that impact until we've actually started playing with it? I, I don't think so. The one thing that keeps coming to mind for me, whether it's Copilot for like the personal productivity apps that we have in Office 365 or Copilot and, and, and GitHub for development. So I, I wonder if there's going to be a standardization of the of the the work quality that comes out everyone has their own coding style everyone has their own voice and their writing and their content creation but i wonder if people are uh, equally leveraging these copilot type technologies will you start to see a consistent style of product development in github copilot driven projects and the same with the the, the style the voice the representation of content in those productivity apps what do you think of that well I would hope, I mean, that's one of the strengths of leveraging this, that I can enforce methodology. I can enforce a framework for development uh, of solutions. Think of it like the, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about power platform governance and the need to, uh, you know, it, it's, it's great that somebody can go and create and solve a problem for themselves or for their working team. But when you start talking about taking a solution that was developed for myself and my work activities and scaling that out to the rest of the business. If I'm in a, you know, a 10,000 person organization that has data all over the place, there's data sovereignty issues, there's permissions, access to all the different, like I'm going to build a solution for me. Doesn't mean that I know how to architect it in a way that will scale that the entire enterprise might be able to use. If Copilot can help with that governance process if it can be if everything i ask it to go and help me go and build and automate is done with those guardrails in in place that will be incredibly powerful 
so I, I think that I think that's the direction that we're we're going, where it will recognize your norm, your voice, mine, Christian's voice on there. So when we do things that it takes the nuances, our style, our tone, those things, like it'll get better about those things. But then apply those enterprise or you know organizational standards and guardrails. That'd be a, an impressive place to get to. Uh, I don't always like writing recap emails after an important meeting. And so to have something do that for me is something I'm very much looking forward to, especially around action items and having something intelligently track it for me. I'm looking forward to that, but I don't want to lose my voice in all of this. Uh, but I can't help but think that standardization uh, will initially lead to efficiency, larger scale, larger productivity. The other thing you have to keep in mind is that, again, being skewed by how chat GPT works today is that when you're talking about using the Microsoft graph and you're limited by, you know, the, the scope, it's just, it's kind of like search scope. Um, mm -hmm. the internal usage of these, this technology is that it's permission trimmed. So it's security trimmed. You're only able to go and access the resources that you have permissions and access to the, the, the back of all of this. I mean, so an organization can go in there and say, Hey, look, we want to be very careful about this. Obviously you're, you're, you're only going to draw from internal resources that are relevant, that are related yeah. to you. And they, an organization can even limit the scope of what it can go out and grab externally. And uh, another change that's going to happen that will impact this is that more and more organizations, uh, you know, I don't want to get into like the pushback against AI and the things that are mm -hmm. out there, you know, like I, I know there's the conversations around ethical usage of AI and there's, there's all this kind of stuff that's out there and there's a lot of noise and then there's what's actually, you know, real to an enterprise. Um, and there's a, then there's a quasi religious discussion around that as well. Mm -hmm. But, um, uh, you know, but a lot of organizations are, are realizing, Hey, we actually need to go and and block just like you can from a site, you can make a site unlisted. You can make it so that the, you know, Google and Bing and others, you know, can't go and scan your, your site. Similarly, you can do that and block that from being scraped by, AI. And right. so I think that there's just going to be a, over the next few years, a refinement of what we enable, what we have, you know, we, we allow these systems to have access to, which will also then change how we use those tools. I guess my, and my point to all of that is that I can't see for the foreseeable future the human element removed. Yeah. So there will, will still be that role. It's a, even if it does 80% of the heavy lifting of the, of the stuff that allows you to focus on the 20%, which is truly the value you add to that, collect the information, organize it, summarize it for me. Mm -hmm. But then I go in and add my voice, add the, you know, I, I do the editing of that. If here's what I actually want to go in and convey. Right. You you brought up a, a, a really important point uh, about governance around this. 
and and I'm not talking about the governance that turns on and off Copilot, but uh, when Copilot is able to scan an organization's knowledge of of information and start representing it, uh, there might be some things that need the right context. Maybe it's maybe it's a term. Maybe it's a a, a concept that's just unique to that organization. And it'll probably have to have some type of information governance around that for the, the proper use of it. I think with the, the personal productivity apps, people will embrace Copilot in those examples that we talked about with those Teams recap meetings. Um, but putting out, you know, formal communications for internal and sensitive content now that are going outward facing, I mean, I, I can't imagine a highly compliant or regulated organization ever turning those types of features on without yeah. heavy due diligence. So it, it makes you wonder uh, when this is really going to land and how many controls are going to come out of the box, knowing that there's not usually a lot of controls that land on day one. Yeah, well, there's... I one role that is going to expand, and I think you'll agree, um, is the, the, and this is the same thing that I was saying, is like most of my SharePoint community history, uh, I would talk extensively about information architecture yep. and the, the importance of like that business analyst role. Somebody who understands the business and understands the technology, but almost acts as the librarian for the organization to make sure things work. That's true for search, and it's certainly true in this new AI world, this landscape. That role of that information architecture guardian yeah. uh, is going to be critical. So uh, anybody within that type of role, and again, I, I say business analyst, information architect, um, whatever the job description is, but owning, you know, who is the gatekeeper, who sets up the guardrails and maintains that for the organization is going to be a critical role yep. into the foreseeable future. And unfortunately, I think that role is probably limited to larger organizations. Well, that's why I, when it's smaller, it's it's part of other roles. You could be a yeah. project manager, an operations person that owns some of the systems. I mean, yeah, but I mean that the function, it's still, it's done. It's, well, let me rephrase that. I think to your point is it's, it's not thought about enough at the smaller organization. Mm -hmm. It's, it's easy when it's your entire job description to go and focus on that. Smaller organizations, just because you're a small company, 20 people, doesn't mean you can't have complex data management needs. Right. Agreed. 100%. So you talked about um, Power Platform earlier. And mm -hmm. one of the things about Power Platform is that governance comes up. But so does enabling organic growth of Power Platform. Because then, you know, it it gets out into an organization and they're able to uh, take on the platform to create solutions for them that maybe traditional IT couldn't do. So when you think about Copilot AI automation that could come to Microsoft 365, do you ever envision that there would be organic growth or would it be something that is strictly governed? 
in many organizations. I think the reality is that, look, I'm one of these guys that I think that, I think sprawl is a is a sign, uh, is a good thing overall. There are problems that come with sprawl. You need to get under, but, but if you don't have sprawl, that means that people are not using the platform. And so I, I think you need to put guardrails in, but where to get to the point where you're heavier, how much you have that heavy foot of governance uh, on the, the the neck of the populace, like you need to be very careful with that. Um, you can't stop people from getting their work done. And so you, you've got to find that balance. And so I think, again, I go back, sprawl is a good thing because it means people are using the system mm -hmm. uh, and you just need to, get it under control even if you're slightly behind you know uh, uh, the 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 ball um you know that the the sprawl it's it's slightly greater than what you can have. like that i think that's a good there's a name for that too where there's a it's that you want to have you know what it's like you you're towing a car you don't want slack in the line you mm -hmm. want to have you you want it to be taut you want right. it to be you know no no slack um so and I, I think that's kind of what you need to have with uh, with governance to find that balance. No slack in the line between governance and the sprawl that's happening. Allow people to get their work done. And when you find that uh, the exceptions are becoming uh, too great, you put a new policy in place, tamper that down, and people will find another way to break the rules and get work done faster in their minds. Yeah. And then you constantly are reviewing. That's why governance evolves and changes over time. Because when people understand how they're being measured, human nature is that they will find ways to optimize again uh, against that measurement to make them look good or to work around those barriers to them getting their work done. Very true. So there's so much inertia and. In, uh in the media, social media, communications, all around AI. Um, do you think it's like just emerging news or are we reaching that convergence point where, where practical AI can come to the masses and we're, we're on the, the cusp of seeing that in something like Microsoft 365 through Copilot? You know, it's so funny. I was, as I'm, I was packing up last night where you're know, getting ready to move at the end of the month and was going through stuff. And I found all these articles where I had notes on them that I never wrote a blog post around that were from 2017 and 2018 around the future of AI. I was, and it's, it's funny thinking back, you know, like here I had all this content, all these things flagged, the articles were starting to come out. The difference is that we now have tools that we can touch. So people, it wasn't clicking with people because they weren't, they weren't able to see it to start playing with it. It wasn't real. It was just something we're just talking about the future. Oh yeah. AI robots are going to take over. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that we our understanding of it and its impacts are evolving. Again, I look at it just because of being in tech my entire career and looking at that, the change cycles and yes this is a massive change i mean this is i say second only to the pc being created and its importance and and the impact that it could have but i think it just will means that it's big and it will take time for people to absorb it 
and to figure out how to move forward. So I still look at it as a largely positive thing. I mean, I mean, how do you view it? I, I think it will be positive as well. It's an evolution. Um, when I when I take pause to think about everything that's happening around it, um, outside of the, uh, the 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 social media uh, activity around AI right now, uh, I will say that this kind of brings me back to the first time I heard about Microsoft or Office three sixty five going to the cloud, like or being in the cloud. Mm. Uh, at yep. that point, I was all on-prem through file servers and local database servers and local email servers, and everything was done that way. And the 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 promise of having someone else at a minimum manage all of the servers and infrastructure and have a a lightweight web front end to do all of my work was was very promising. And uh, you quickly made that transition into that, like this is my everyday now working through cloud apps and services. And and so I wonder, like, once Copilot is released to the masses and it's a st ingrained into my my working ways and and everyone else's in my working periphery, I I do wonder if it's just going to have the same effect. Like you see, like, oh, this this is great that I don't have to do it. We all know that there's a there's a uh, another cost of ownership besides the licensing fee, and it's it's all around that due diligence, that that governance, that adoption training to make sure people are using it the way that it was intended and for the best benefit yeah. of the organization. But where again, to go back to a start of my my thought process here is like the only thing that's different for me is like those those social media impacts that I'm seeing where AI is creating these amazing or very funny artwork based on real life characters and things like that which you just you never got that around cloud computing it was more just like what is the cloud and you know old people looking confused um and hopefully i don't fall into that category when i'm talking about um, ai and uh and copilot uh so my hope is that it does land it does land with uh, a minimum set of controls that safeguard people classic guardrails example and that uh, some of that mundane work that I have to do, especially after a meeting for recaps, action items, I want something else to do that for me. And I want to move up higher on that value chain of where I choose to spend my time. Norm, uh, so here, here's a, a, a question I've had. This has been kind of uh, the conversation the last few weeks at these several events that I've attended. Do you, Norm, personally, do you care if you're reading content whether it was generated in full or partly by AI. If you're engaged in reading an article, reading a book, do you care how it was generated? Does that make, if you're fully engaged in a story and then you find out that two thirds of it, 80% of it was generated by AI, how important is that to you? Um, what, what, what happens at that point? You throw it down to discuss. Uh, no, absolutely. I won't read this. No, 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 knowledge and information trump all of that as an information worker. Uh, however, some of us have a unique voice. You do. I mean, I, I'm, I'm certain I've read some of your blog posts in the past, especially around uh, our, our mutual affection for uh, '80s pop music and alternative music from the '80s. And I don't think. Uh, 
Copilot or any other piece of AI is going to represent your style of writing in that case with the same level of enthusiasm for bands like Duran Duran and so on. Uh, so no, uh, I won't treat it as uh, a lesser output. Uh, and, you know, uh, something that comes to mind is my kids are always watching these YouTube videos and I swear it's the same voice in all of the videos and it's not the same content creator. So I can't help but imagine that that is like some voice generating tool, AI, I don't know what, but all of that content has kind of like, it seems the same now. It's getting a bit melded in together. It's all a bit vanilla to me. And so I guess when you pose this question about the authentic authenticity of work, it's less about saying it's from, from you or I, it's more about hearing an authentic, different voice, a unique voice. So here on that note, so here's something real. And I won't, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, um, save the name of the person. Um, because I don't want to uh, to to real reveal this. That's experimenting. So this person um, does a lot of training videos, and went out and paid, I, I think, a couple thousand bucks or, or, or you know or, or more for a pro pro AI tool that went and took the person's image, and so they do a lot of training videos. You know the training videos where you get. Down at the bottom corners, their face talking you through as they're walking through, mm -hmm. and they're always down there. In the training videos, that little face down there is now 100% AI wow. of the person. And it's even trained on their voice. So all they're doing is providing the script. Still has to do editing, but you're walking through. But, you know, there's for each point in the video or each screen share, whatever it is. Again, I'm not familiar with that, the, the service that they're using for it, but the fact that they're able to go in and provide a script and that the pain of having to generate all of the walkthroughs is it, it halved cut in half the production time of those training videos, yep. still having to create the walkthrough, like all of that, like still has to do that. But to go back through and add the face and the voice, all of it AI generated. Now I would look at that and say that like it 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 still is a little bit. I would say if you really kind of listen intently, it has the wonky AI mm -hmm. intonations. It's yep. you know kind of monotone throughout and things. Uh, it's built around the person's voice. It's built around the person's face. But because it's so small on the screen, you can't see like the little glitchy Max Headroom ish type you know movements i have no problem with that at all because one i mean the content is good i'm still learning it's communicating i have you know my brain equates to human face down there there's somebody talking walking through it whether it was automated like i don't don't care it's feeding the brain what it needs the human piece the voice walking me through i've got the visuals i've got the content the content is good it's just there's AI walking me through it, yep. pretending to be human. I think that's fantastic. But yeah, I know I'm not naming the person because I know yeah. that there are people that would freak out. So it make well, in my mind, content is key. It's like if you're paying for that training video, 
you you want to come away with the you know the the learning objectives that that's paramount um it makes you wonder why you even need the face the ai generated face right. if that's if that's well, that's, the, that's those, the those things are certain things where data has just shown that you know there's certain reason there's a reason why training materials follow certain formats and different ways yeah. you know methods and it works and having the face on there you know people equate that with i don't know whether it's more authentic whether they're more connected because it's yeah. the virtual but yeah but anyway but i get your point yeah yeah we all have uh different learning styles as we're talking about learning and uh or we're talking about training courses that is and if i go into youtube and i'm wanting to learn something new about anything I'm interested in, I'm going to get multiple results on the same topic from different people. And it's not duplication of effort. Sometimes it's it's how they deliver that I resonate with. And I, I can think of two YouTube people that I subscribe to and they talk about Power Platform and they cover a lot of the same subjects. But one I resonate more with just because of the way that they deliver, the the, the way that they explain things, it makes more sense to my way of thinking. And so now I'm I'm more interested in the, I got the content, but I need the engagement with that personality. And so uh, the, the dehumanization of IA, uh, I would not connect with uh, a robot that delivers in that other person's way, like I do with this other person. Mm -hmm. And one final thing, and this is, this is, this has got less to do with, this has got nothing to do with AI. Uh, the pandemic has made us all so tolerant to imperfections. I say empathetic, the, right? Yes, and empathetic. And so um, a, a perfectly narrated training video uh, with no mistakes in, in speaking or in demos, it just wouldn't feel authentic to me anymore. And yeah. so I wonder if that takes away some of the um, the engagement on some levels for users taking well, this content in. See, I I agree with that. There was so years back, back to the beginning of starting this podcast, um, I used a third party service. Like I just did an um, and the what I would pay this team of people mm -hmm. to do was going and clean that out. And so they remove all the pregnant pauses, all the ums and ahs and mm -hmm. all of that. What I found is that, and people provided the feedback, but I thought this myself, but I got feedback. People said, is it, are you playing it in fast motion? It just seemed like it flew. I already talk, you know, a little bit fast for some people. Like I get that, uh, especially in live where I'm, the passion comes through. I get excited about stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but by removing all of the natural breaks, yep. it made it sound more like artificial, like it yep. was going too fast and flying by. So I prefer to have the raw. I used to always joke that I, I, I think I probably said this when we started doing content together as well, where I said, you know, hey, if you make a mistake, look, I'll just make fun of you for weeks afterwards or whatever, you know, <laughs> call, call you out on it. But that's part of the fun it was, you know, I have my style of speaking and writing. It's very, uh, you know, colloquial. It's very um, conversational rather than formal. Um, so even when I like, even when I started my career as a technical writer, 
I tried to let the personality come through in, in the writing style, yes. um, you know, even for technical documentation and so, Hey, it's, it's done pretty well for me throughout my career. Uh, and so I think that my feeling is a lot of the, where we are. Well, again, it comes back to, it's not an AI thing. It's the, that have gone through the pandemic is that it's become people appreciate having that more natural style of conversation and, and yep. the content around it, like less editing, less refinement, more raw, more realistic. Yep. Yeah. That's how the world operates. Yep. And I think that's tying it back to the AI. I think that is where, as the models get trained to do that, to be able to pick up, if I'm able to go and I log into the system and it knows those colloquialisms it, it understands mm -hmm. my style of speech and writing and is able to pattern more after that that'll be interesting yes and now there'd be a whole service where you could maintain your own uh what is that what would you even call that your own um writing style i don't even know what it's called knowledge base or or corpus of words yeah, or, it's, or but, it's almost like having an ai ghostwriter yeah it's uh it's the christian buckley ai model well that's a scary thought it's well i know it might have some good music coming out of that but uh, <laughs> uh yeah the sound was born in the 80s <laughs> <laughs> uh, or grew up in the 80s, I should say. But that'll be that'll be something. That would be interesting if you could bring that too. Um, but then again, that's it's really yeah. muddying the water. So I guess one well, of the things that I that that I kind of bringing this last part of the conversation together to where we started is that I continue to look forward to the personal benefits that I'm going to get out of Copilot, and I and I think it's going to be exciting to a, a broader uh, audience. When they get access to it, hopefully they do. Hopefully the licensing is uh, 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 around all the co-pilot features is something that is uh, attainable for most organizations. But through it, the thing that I'm going to be very cognizant of is that I don't want to lose my voice. Yeah. And I still want to have like represent myself and my work quality in a way that makes sense. But I will not forego an opportunity to be more efficient in my work so I can do higher value things. Yeah, I think that's going to be. Uh, look, uh, Microsoft has, uh, uh, you know, that that's their task is helping organizations understand. Uh, you know, the theme of the you know do more with less. Like, I get it, I agree with that. Yes, there are real people and jobs that are at stake around some of these actions, but I I think it's going to generate more than destroy, uh, you know, jobs and and opportunities. So I think people just need to start, you know, to understand, you know, what, what is the value? What, what's the reality of what it actually does and what I actually need. And, and again, it goes back to, I think what we've both been talking about, it's going to do some of that heavy lifting so we can go focused on higher value activities instead of summarizing. Like I, it's one of the best things that I'm doing now is I'm you know, a, a long article comes in, I'm doing a bunch of things. I, I, I don't have the time to sit and read the whole thing. 
And so I will just ask ChatGPT, hey, can you summarize this article, point to the URL? Right. And based on the summary, I'm like, oh, hey, I'm going to go flag them and go back and read it in detail. Uh, or others just like, okay, I get the gist of it. All right, got it. Yeah, work smart. Yep. And I think that in having more of that in our lives is going to allow us to go and focus more on those things where we're actually adding value. I mean, it's going to go and summarize. It's going to be able to, to provide, you know, uh, better insights into complex data and be able to, to compare across different sites. But then it's kind of like management. It's like, you can only so much the data tells you something, but then you have to make a decision. You have to move things forward. You have to, you know, actually manage. And I think that's that's the piece we can't forget. It'll automate a lot of things, but you can't remove the human component. You have to then take AI action and do something with that. And AI can't do that for you. Not at all. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, hey, Norm, as always, great to talk to you. Um, we'll be back. I'm sure there will be a slew of new announcements by the time we get together uh, uh, next month and do this again. I will be uh, hopefully in another state next time we're talking. Oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah, getting ready to do that exciting, I don't know how many miles it is, but I, I know it was a 19 and a half hour drive to get from here to uh, from Lehigh, Utah to Dallas, Texas. So looking forward to getting that move done. I wish you all the best with the move to the new house, safe travels. And it was a really nice chat, Christian. Okay. Thanks a lot, Norm. Take care of yourself. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published on most Fridays, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.